Hey there. We at Blue Wire just wanted to take a second to thank you for listening to this podcast. We know everything outside is pretty scary and uncertain, but we're committed to helping you get through your day by talking about the sports and teams that you love most. If you're looking for more great podcasts to distract you, check out BlueWirePods.com. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the podcast and stay safe. Hello, guys. Welcome back to another episode of Boys of 161st Street, episode 27. We're hanging in there with this whole quarantine, no sports stuff, but we have a very special episode here for you guys today. We had Gary Sheffield Jr. on the pod. We had some conversations about growing up around baseball, his favorite players, which actually wasn't his dad, which is funny. His funniest stories at ballparks, like meeting Randy Johnson when he spilled his dipping Dots. That's a funny story. His dad's Hall of Fame chances, and so much more. Gary was just a really cool dude. We had a lot of fun talking to him. He had a lot of good stories. Hope you guys enjoy it as much as we did. Well, let's get after it. This is Gary Sheffield Jr. coming on the pod for us right now. Took the time out of his day. Appreciate that. Uh, so we've been following you, obviously. You're on Twitter, everything like that. Doing streaming. Uh, I know you're doing the Lakers stuff. I know you're doing your own podcast, too. I don't know if you started that yet. Uh, yeah. Why don't you just let the people know a little bit about yourself and what you've been up to, what you plan to do? Yeah, so the whole Lakers thing, it really came out of nowhere. Just like a friend of a friend introduced me to the guys at Lakers Nation, and they they said, hey, the guy who normally hosts the show, he's not there tonight, so maybe you could fill in. And then I did one show, and they offered me the job, which I was surprised. But once I accepted that job, I decided to start my own podcast. We're going to get going on Spotify here. I think it's already on Spotify, actually. But we're eventually going to try to get into iTunes, and I've just been working to get some – some guests that some people would enjoy to see. I've got like Bob Mennery is going to be my first guest. So we've got a few people that are going to be interesting and fun for everybody. We'll try to make it interactive and hopefully some big things to come. That's awesome, man. Bob Mennery is the first guest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's awesome, dude. He's a really cool dude. So are you doing it? What, what type of podcast is going to be? Is it going to be like baseball, Yankees, or just anything? Yeah, it's going to be all types of sports. I think I'm just going to do all, all sports, but I want it to be more of a, relaxed setting where I can just bring on whoever maybe they don't even have huge ties into sports to just make it fun I know Bob is big into the Lakers basketball being in the LA area himself so he's going to know a little bit about basketball bring in plenty of people who at least know sports generally and then just kind of shoot the breeze and just make it a relaxed setting uh sort of like um whatever his name is uh Joe Rogan, so yeah. you just make it, you bring in random people Everything. and talk about whatever whatever you want to talk about that day. So yeah. it should be fun. Yeah, man. What's the like um, What's the name of the podcast? Um, it's Living Like Gary. It's a little bit of a SpongeBob reference for all the millennials. Yeah, I there. love that. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Can't wait to listen to it. Thank you, dude. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. That's anyway, sick. let's just jump right into it here. So Beltron's niece, who was it? oh i can't i can't tell that that was that was basically the that was like the one thing that was like the one thing they're like hey uh you know that's the one thing that you can't you know talk about is like who it was because it just like defeats the whole purpose but i guess the the actual point of him releasing that type of information was to push the investigation and get the information out there which eventually did happen and 
the Rob Manfred ended up having to give immunity to to the Houston Astros in order to get even more information, which is which really sucks for us as Yankees fans. I'm a Yankee fan myself. It stinks to watch people get immunity and have nothing happen when they do something that directly affected us. So that part of it kind of sucks. Yeah, no, because I know, I only ask because I know you tweeted out the like uh, the like sh emoji and like just it wasn't yeah. a, it wasn't a, it was a player it wasn't his niece you hooligan so. Thought I could yeah. get a little bit out of you, break some news, but yeah. any we get a division of where where the player plays or AL West, uh, probably AL West, right? Yeah, AL West, yeah. But yeah. it was you know it's it's pretty broad, and they wanted to keep it that way. But at the same time, the information was made available without having to put yeah. your name out there. Which I personally liked what Mike Fires did, where he put his name out in front said you know this is what was going on and i'm willing to put my name out there for everybody and i'm going to answer to all the questions that come forward i didn't really i didn't necessarily like how long it took him to come forward he actually had to go to a different team but i do understand that mike fires probably was in a situation where he had to help his current teammates at the same time protect against mm -hmm. that team that he was playing for and knowing what they were doing so at the same time i do understand what he was doing um, later on in the in the whole event yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it just it just sucks that it took so long, and it. But I mean, it, one person had to come out and say it, so I mean, you can't fault the guy. I mean, you have uh, people making comments like Jessica Mendoza, which obviously you don't agree with, just calling him a snitch and something like that. But yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's. Uh, I just wanted to see if I could get that out of you, but <laughs> but yeah, it's all good. We narrow it down to a couple hundred. We'll we'll continue the investigation. Yeah, we'll let the <laughs> yeah. people, we'll find out. <laughs> But yeah, anyway, the investigation is, is currently ongoing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so a question we like to ask all of our guests that we have on, it's a kind of an unorthodox question. So, you know, how there's a designated hitter, right? Mm -hmm. So if you could choose a current player on the Yankees to be the designated Reuter, so you just inject one guy with steroids, that's it. He's a designated Reuter. Easy. easy? <laughs> I mean, there's yeah, a couple of different easy. routes you can take. Let's see. Oh, I'm going Giancarlo Stan. For the love of God, can we keep him on the field? All, uh, all that's I, all true. I really do believe that Giancarlo is the right guy for New York. He actually has the personality that can work here. He does make a lot of adjustments. He's always been a man of adjustments. He just hasn't been able to stay on the field to give himself the opportunity to play well here in New York. It's Sometimes he'll, he'll get his feet wet. I remember him hitting that walk-off home run and thinking, okay, that was his Yankee moment. This is our guy. But then maybe a few weeks later, he's off the field with a with an injury for a long period of time. This guy has to figure out a way to be on the field, and it's not necessarily steroids for performance. He's a great player. <laughs> in this he's case, an it is. Type guy. But to be a great Yankee, you cannot be sitting in a polo on the, in the dugout. So hopefully for him, he stays healthy, and then we can finally get behind this guy. Yeah, no, that's definitely a – Definitely a smart route to take that question. I was more looking for if I, how I would answer it. I would probably say like DJ because he's not a big dude. But if you take that batting oh, average yeah. and you juice him up a bit, I know he hit 26 last year. I think it was, but yeah. you juice him up. Maybe DJ's hitting 340, but he's also hitting 300, 500 feet <laughs> bombs, and he ends up pulling 50 home runs. Yeah, that's yeah, like I think the last guy I'd give it to is Luke Boyd. He's probably the biggest dude I've ever seen in my entire life. I don't know if he can get bigger. Yeah, that's yeah, the thing, too. It's like some of these guys, if you make them bigger, like there's always that argument of can bodybuilders play baseball? So, I mean, honestly, right. I kind of disagree a little bit there because if you add a little more mass on Giancarlo, I know the recovery right. time, but he might just, I don't know. I don't know if the yeah, skeleton can handle a lot of people. Yeah, 
I know a lot What's of people that? are taking. I say a lot. A lot of people that we've asked this, they've taken the Judge and Stanton route just to create like a a superhero baseball player just to hit eighty bombs a season. Yeah. Um, and the DJ route. I was th- I always go with like the the lower level players, you know, just to yeah. create a um, you know, well rounded lineup instead of a fucking giant. <laughs> Yeah, maybe some Jordan Montgomery, get some more power stuff in there. He's, there you go. Jordan Montgomery kind of reminds me of uh, Andy Pettit. He's more of a Andy Pettit-style pitcher. And then if you get more power guy out of him, the dude has a great curveball. He could honestly be a front-of-the-rotation guy with maybe a, a little uptick in stuff. He could be insane. Yeah, I'm excited yeah. for what he brings to the table this year. I mean, he obviously got his velocity back. He's throwing around uh, like 93, 94 now, and that was his problem before coming off uh, yeah. or before Tommy John or whatever he got. But yeah, I'm yeah. excited. He would. I mean, whenever the season starts, hopefully. But he definitely could bring yeah. a lot to the table and be better than a number four guy because obviously Sevy goes down. So uh, moving on, I know obviously you grew up around baseball. That's fucking awesome. I mean, it's <laughs> something that I know I've dreamed about and everybody's dreamed about. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that. But before we get into that, uh, like you've been to obviously a lot of ballparks. A goal of mine is to hit every ballpark. I got a little. Yeah. Sign, I got a little sign on my wall there. Only, it's like a scratch-off stadium one. There's only three scratched off, which isn't really a good start. Oh, hey, nothing wrong with it. You'll get it going. Yeah, <laughs> uh, and they're only local, too. I did go to Fenway. Fenway was dope. But okay. what's, So what's your favorite ballpark that you've been to and maybe your favorite game that you've been to? Just favorite ballpark first, and we'll get to that. Baltimore has to be my favorite, and it's kind of odd because they're such an unappealing baseball team to watch <laughs> right now. But if you ever get a chance to go to Baltimore, it's honestly one of the more beautiful parks. It's just amazing the atmosphere. The atmosphere is a big part of it for me, and the atmosphere in Baltimore and in San Francisco, it seemed like every single fan was pay- paying attention to the game at all times, and that just made it for a better experience. Yeah, yeah. I did hear that uh, Baltimore Camden Yards was awesome because they have like a little city around it, and it's basically just like a little yeah. baseball town. Which is sort of like mm-hmm. the way Fenway was when I went there, which is awesome. So yeah, that Baltimore. Was the I, Baltimore's one of my favorites. I've been there a couple times because my sister lives down there, and yeah, it's so cool because it is. It's part of the city, which is the reason why Fenway is so cool because it's literally in the middle of the city, and yeah. you could be walking down the street, and they have that little, um, a little fence area where you can just look into the middle of the outfield and watch the games going on. Yeah. So they make it a part of the actual city itself, which is which is so cool. And they have like the, you know, the the brick, and they have all the games out and stuff. You know, usually there, but um, you know, it, I think it's awesome. That's also one of my favorite ballparks. Yeah, too. they have a really cool aquarium down there too. There's like a ton yeah. to do. Like honestly, yeah. you can just walk by the park and go to this super nice aquarium. There's great restaurants right there by the park, and it's not super expensive to eat there. I'm in Arizona, so I go to Chase Field. It is so expensive to do anything. It's Yankee yeah. Stadium's the same way. It's like twelve bucks for a hot dog, then you get a beer, then you get yeah. Camden Yards like does a pretty good job <laughs> of giving everybody a, a good experience and you don't have to break the bank to actually do anything at that park. So it's it's really nice. Did yeah. you ever did you ever go into the pool at Chase uh, Chase Field? Too expensive. It's like two it's like two grand to rent it out for the game. It what? I guess it's not bad if you have a big party. Yeah. So it's it's not worth it to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I, I just have seen videos about that stuff, and I would just love to go into the pool. It just looks so cool, but it's just so weird though because then you get wet and like, then you're at a baseball game and you gotta go home. Like it just seems like a whole <laughs> ordeal for me. I don't know if I'd be. It is, yeah. 
I'm not trying to prepare that much to go to a baseball game. Yeah, you got to yeah, pack a bag. You got to bring a towel, bathing suit. Sunscreen, <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I'm I'm not trying to go to the game to get in the pool. I mean, I'm more of a fan that watches the entire game. If I'm sitting in the pool, I'm probably not going to be watching the game, and you're really far away. So I don't I don't know if that'll ever be for me. Yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Uh, so, again, you've been surrounded by baseball all your life. Is there anything – other than baseball, you may have considered. I know you're doing the Lakers stuff, but like even early on or anywhere, like uh, you also played baseball too. If you want to speak about that too, yeah. Um, so I was terrible in school. I got I had horrible grades in JUCO, so I committed to Florida State out of ju- junior college, and I actually couldn't even get in. So as hard as that is to believe, I knew that I wanted to get in the TV and just I wanted to talk sports for a living. So as soon as all that that whole dream just kind of faded away, I immediately transitioned into television and how I could do similar to what you guys are doing and start my own show, start my own thing and get on television. I love being on television and at least talking and having people hear what I have to say. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a lot of money in it too. And that's never a bad thing to be doing what you love and making money doing it. So uh, as, as you've been around baseball, like, uh, like, did you, obviously your dad played, did you, was he your favorite player or did you have another favorite player? No, it wasn't. <laughs> That's what I was trying to get out of you. It was never my favorite player. It was really hard for me to understand. I'm like, this is just dad. And people are like <laughs> screaming out in excitement to see him. And now obviously I can appreciate it more. And he was just my dad. So the, all the other players, like all the power guys, those are the guys I really liked. Yeah. Yeah. So like one of the questions I have is, you know, um, I, I, whoever's surrounded by baseball, I like to ask this a lot because it's something that no one else can really talk about or experience because, you know, you grew up, um, I'm assuming actually that's, that's my question. What kind of fans you grew up with watching? Were you a Yankees fan? Were you, uh, like what, what team would you support? It was just me and my mom. So it was actually, as soon as my dad went to the Yankees, I usually rooted for his teams. And then as soon as that ended, I was like, I'm not rooting for anybody else. It was Yankees. Yankees are bust. Right, right. That's interesting because, well, your dad played for like eight teams, right? That must have been a, a lot of bouncing yeah. around. <laughs> a lot of turn, lot of turnover, a lot of different cities. So, yeah, once he went to New York, I knew there was nowhere else we were going. Yeah. Sucks you in. <laughs> exactly. Old Yankee Stadium will do it. Yeah, for sure. So I, I didn't catch the other answer. Did you? So since your dad isn't your favorite player, who was your favorite player growing up? I mean, Derek Jeter, and then like all the other pa- big power bats, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds. I liked watching long home runs. I was a, a little kid, so yeah. playing a lot of slugfest as a kid. So all those power guys were all the best players to play with in the game. So yeah, my my dad obviously he was a power hitter himself, but. He was more of a contact guy too, so I mean, plus he was my dad, so I couldn't really <laughs> pick my dad as my favorite player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, since you've been growing up around baseball and all that stuff, like, is it what's the coolest moment for you? Like, were you ever at? I know at like All Star games and home run derbies, the kids are always there with their dad and stuff like that. Yeah. Just anything that you may have had happen when you were around baseball, or just even at a game, like any cool experience, or just like a game that you went to, just any story. That just your coolest moment, just being around baseball as a kid. Yeah, my coolest moment is I got hit by a trash can with Randy Johnson. I was uh, I was sitting in the <laughs> locker room and he got. I didn't know the game started and he didn't mean to hit me with it, but he threw the trash can. I guess it bounced and it like knocked me down. I dropped all my Dippin' Dots 
And <laughs> so he, I guess he ended up finding out from one of the clubhouse attendants that he actually did that. And he felt really bad. So he gave me a hundred bucks and told me to go get more dipping dots. And me and Randy Johnson sat in the locker room and watched the rest of the game. And if you actually look back at it, the Yankees scored 13 runs. It's on YouTube right now. They scored 13 runs in one inning, ended up winning the game like 21 to 14. And me and him were sitting in the locker room, like just outside the dugout after he got shelled, gave up like 10 or 11 runs. So it was one of the better memories for me, at least. Yeah, just ripping Dippin' Dots with him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And they had vanilla Dippin' Dots, so me and him were happy, man. $100 would definitely (laughs) cover some Dippin' Dots. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's a funny story. But uh, so, like, who who of all the people that you've met through baseball is just, like, the coolest player? Because you hear, like, some players are assholes, some players are cool. Like, who is the coolest one and maybe a story about that? Well, there's two guys really stick out. Derek Jeter was a person who's exactly how you would expect him to be. He was just like, like a superhero and just a super. That was really his personality, which is hard to win a chance to meet the guy. He really is a stand-up guy, and that's his authentic personality. Whereas like some guys, will, you're almost like, okay, this guy's just giving us PR, just making PR moves and just giving mm-hmm. us boring answers. This guy is not – he's not Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter really was like that. And then the guy who really – sticks out for me is Jason Giambi the nicest guy you've ever met he's probably the nicest guy I've ever met baseball or not the dude is just like he gives you the best energy he's so excited to talk to everybody that goes in the room he's just a really cool guy and he remembers every face he literally remembered me he hadn't seen me since I was maybe 11 years old when they were playing in 04 he just saw me and his eyes lit up and he immediately recognized me so that tells you a lot about how much he was really engaging with everybody, whether that was the players or their family. That's so cool. That's yeah. like, I was not expecting that. If you would have gave me 15 guesses, I would not have guessed yeah. Jason Giambi. That is, that's really funny. Yeah, because Jason yeah, Giambi, yeah, he's awesome. Jason Giambi almost has that like villain look to him. Like obviously you're not, not like just based on talking about him or talking to him or anything like that. He just, he's so good and he's such a big power hitter that you wouldn't expect him to be like a teddy bear like that. But that's really cool to hear. You don't see yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's weird. Yeah, you don't see that side of people. And that's why I, I personally listen to R2C2. That's why I love listening to that because you get to see that side of baseball players and their actual unfiltered personalities. So it's definitely cool. I'm sure you have a bunch of more memories of talking to other players and getting to know a lot of people, but that's awesome. Uh, so moving on, I mean, this season, speaking of other players, Mo recently came out and say that if it's a 60 win, a 60 game season, then it doesn't carry as much weight. It's not a true championship. Like, what do you think about that? Do you think a shortened season, if it's any short, I don't know if he's correct in saying that 60 games is going to happen. I personally think it's going to be more towards the hundred, 120, hopefully, Because, I mean, yeah. they still said they were trying to do 162. That's just probably right. not going to happen. I think it's probably, I mean, again, we know nothing. But I think they'll try and sneak in 120 no matter how they go about it, whether it's using spring training fields or whatever they want to do and without fans. So do you think a shortened season is any less of a championship? Because, I mean, when they look at the record books, people are going to look at it differently. But I still think you're, you're the hottest team I mean, they've been talking about doing seasons with less games anyway going forward. So right. I just want to get your, your point on that. Yeah, well, first, 
we do have a lot of time to kill before we can't fit in 120 games. So I do think that's very likely that a lot of people were saying that they might cancel all this part of the season. It's like we have two months to kill. The season shouldn't be starting for another three, four days. Then we're talking about another over 60 days of a period of time where we would have to miss in terms of baseball in order to not be able to fit in 100 games. So that is very realistic, maybe 100, 120 game season. But in terms of discounting the championship, championships are won in October, and they're not going to have to win any less or more games in October. The hard part about winning titles is as soon as you get to the playoffs. We've seen a lot of teams make it to the postseason. The Washington Nationals, for example, they've been in the postseason for the majority of the last decade, Mm -hmm. and they finally broke through. As soon as Bryce Harper ended up moving on, they ended up breaking through, and everybody understood that Dusty Baker and so many different pieces to that puzzle were moved on from because they weren't able to win in October. Titles really, to me, are only discounted if you're changing the format of October, and they haven't done that yet, and I don't expect them to. So if the Yankees end up winning number 28 this year, I would take no discount whatsoever. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I just, I'm just thinking when other people, like, let's say we do win, which I think we will. I think mm-hmm. our fr- we have friends that are Red Sox fans. I, they're right. absolutely going to be like, oh, it doesn't count. It's not. A, it, I don't think. I personally think it'll count because, like you said, they're one in October, and it's whoever is the hot team. And to be honest, I think it might it might make this season that much more interesting because then you have a lot of t- the the race is a lot like a lot more teams are in the race because there's less games to like make a, like like make a large gap between like the rankings. So. It's easier for the underdog. There's no question. You're yeah, you're mm-hmm. gonna play less games. It's like a wild card situation. Obviously, there's more games than that. But when it's 162 games, the Rays have the Rays have a lot, much better chance of winning the division yeah. when you give them a hundred game season. That's just the reality of it. They can get off to a hot start, and then all of a sudden you're so far behind that the Yankees are playing in a winner take all Garrett Cole start. And of course, we're in a good position to win that game. But the Yankees. They are anticipating in a 162-game season that we're going to outrun any team. We've constructed this team to do that. And to be honest with you, no matter what happens, Red Sox fans were always, any fan base was always going to discount, especially the Yankees, whether it was for payroll reasons, whether it was for how many games they played, whether it was they were quarantined and nobody was ready. There was always <laughs> going to be built-in excuses. And I, it's fair game because you know people do it from different organizations and it bounces from left to right but i wouldn't worry too much about what they're going to say because they're always going to say something yeah, yeah say i feel something. like i feel like you know this is the situation is a little different because it's affecting everybody it's not just affecting one team you know right Every, everyone's going to have the same playing field whether it's 60 games or 100 games um i did see what they were saying i did see what like the people who were saying that it wasn't legit because 60 games is not enough games to establish who the real teams should be playing in the playoffs. Um, I don't forget that. Um, I think Billy beans kind of kicking rocks over there because his whole strategy is based off 162 games. Exactly. I don't even know if he, I don't even know if he can operate with 60. games. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, honestly, I, I think it's just gonna be that much more exciting and I am still hopeful that it, it gets like the games get played soon. And who knows? I mean, if all this shit gets figured out sooner rather than later, if everybody quarantines, I know I haven't left my house in two weeks. If everybody figures it out, maybe we have baseball sooner. It's just a gray yeah. area that nobody really knows, so they just keep saying we're going to push it back. So yeah. hopefully we have it sooner rather than later. 
yeah, yeah. hopefully but in the meantime i mean it's it's truly boring sometimes when we're just sitting around and we know that garrett cole should be towing the rubber in three days in baltimore for, for the shorter season, we just have to put an emphasis on the beginning of the season, make sure their Yankees are ready to go. I know they were doing everything to do that. So they understand that this gives the Rays and all these other teams that were trying to compete, gives them a, an edge that they never had before. So the Yankees have to be ready. And to be honest, I couldn't care less about the people discounting the championship because all of them count. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. sure. And especially, like you said, I mean, Garrett Cole, I'm, I was so excited because he should be towing the rubber in two days. Honestly, yeah. we still might do a little something where we might just do a little live stream, watch the it won't be the show simulate it and just booze while we commentate it. So we'll have a little bit of an opening day right there if you want to check that out. But it might not be that entertaining. We're just gonna do it because we have literally nothing else to do. But yeah. <laughs> speaking yeah, of that, what we have been doing a lot, and I'm sure you have as well, is play MLB the show. That is all we've oh, been yeah. playing. So. Mm-hmm. I had a couple questions about that because I know you're a big gamer, like you said. Uh, what's it like to be taken deep by your dad in the game? It is horrible, and it happens every time because they made his card just way better than I thought they would. I was like, hey, because I, I, like, I got him in the game I was because they couldn't get a hold of him, and I told him, I can help you guys get him in the game. I would love to see him back in baseball games. It's been like 10 years, yeah, and yeah. I know his stance was in the game for a couple years. His 99 car, I'm like, dude. I can't even get this damn thing out. So it, it sucks. <laughs> it honestly, it sucks really bad. And so I tried to just pitch around, and he's fast, so he just steals. It sucks. <laughs> you, you, face, you face the 99 version of him? Yeah, I've already faced him like three or four times, and he just taking me deep three or four times, and they <laughs> like it's nothing. So it's pretty, it's pretty annoying. I'm probably just going to start walking him. So every time I give up a home run to him, people usually show up to my stream or usually they message me on Twitter. I'm like, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that card's disgusting. I've been looking at it. Because like, once once you get to that ranking, you get to choose between any of those players. Or no, that's the collection, right? Yeah, it's the collection Yeah, card. so they have, like, the Mariano 89 diamonds that usually you can pick one of those cards, yeah. like, early on. But then you can eventually unlock. If you have the entire National League, you can unlock them, I that's guess, so through much. collections. And I screwed up. I got Trout. So I should have sold Trout? Trout. I locked him in. Yeah, yeah, I got Trout. I grinded the market. Oh, my God. Jeez. What do you mean you grinded yeah. the market? Were you just flipping cards all day? I was flipping cards. I was the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, my, oh my God. God. See, I can't, flip, yeah. I can't flip cards like that because they do the 10% tax, so they just screw you. You got, like, what cards the are you flipping? The real trick to it, here's the real trick. If you want to make money real fast, all you got to do is go to the gold players, look at the guys who have a buy now, or the sell now at 1000 you just put in an order for that. Worst comes to worst, you quick sell them for a thousand and get your money back. But most of the time, you make a profit. So, so I did it like two hundred times, and I just made a ton of money. <laughs> I don't so, have the yeah. patience for that. Jeez. Um, I shouldn't, but I have so much time on my hands. Honestly, I tell myself I make excuses every year, but I get it done every time. <laughs> oh, we've been trying to figure out ways to get trout and ways to do the market. We've my my buddies been making like algorithms to try and figure out how to get yeah. the get the card flipping. And when we're at work. We're just on the show nation, just like flipping cards there too, and just not working. I yeah. end up losing money, but so and, uh, we'll, we'll, add, we'll add each other. I'll get you guys squared away. We'll get you yeah. trout. Yeah, for there sure. <laughs> if you if you want to play in these tournaments going forward, we're, we got one underway right now. But we did yeah. we did it for money this time. But next time, I think we won't do it for any money. Just have everybody play, and it'll be a lot of fun. So yeah, one hundred percent. So like, what's your Diamond Dynasty team looking like right now? Um. So. 
God, I'm trying to. I have Juan Soto's 89 diamond or his 90 diamond card. I guess it's his little signature card in left field. I have Crown Center, and then I have um, Carlos Gonzalez, the 90 diamond in right field. I got the Glaber Torres diamond card at shortstop, his little that's signature just, series that's affinity. Disgusting. Yeah, and then <laughs> at can't remember who I have. Oh, I have Rendon at third base because I have the Angels collection. So, and I obviously, holy cow. And then I obviously have the trout in center field. And then, but my staff is just a joke. Here to tell you right now, go get Michael Kopech and do the team affinity for, um, you, was it Shohei Otani? Yeah. yeah. Go get the team affinity Shohei Otani. And Kopech sits 102. No one's touching him <laughs> with the update. I'm telling you. Jeez. Well, he actually, yeah. he actually hit 107 before, right? Before he had the surgery. I do not, I do not doubt that he was able to do something, some of the similar things that Chapman was doing. I mean, another card that throws gas is that uh, Nate Pearson card on the Blue Jays. That card, that kid apparently is going to hit 110, according to one Blue Jays writer that said, I wouldn't be shocked if that happened. So, I mean, that card's so much money, though. I mean, maybe if I figure out... I saw his price... Yeah, I saw his price doubled, so I knew something was up with that card. Yeah. And when I went to it, I, it says 99, so that usually means 102. Yeah. So if you can get Pearson and um, Kopech, you can basically just go all the way to World Series and sell whoever for 200K. Yeah, that'd Pretty be, crazy. That'd be crazy. And that Adley Rushman card's sick, too. Yeah, no one can get their hands on that. Thing's almost as expensive as Trout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's what definitely we're going to be doing for the rest. Now, actually, after I hop off of you, I'm just going to start flipping cards, see if that works. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing for the rest of the day. With currently no NBA, NHL, or MLB, you might think there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner still has hundreds of sports, events, and games to wager on, or let them bring Vegas to you with their online casino and blackjack. All open 24 hours a day and all online, including their $750,000 poker series. If you're into props, entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. Visit the website and join today to receive a 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Be sure to use promo code BLUEWIRE, BetOnline, your online wagering experts. So, oh, yeah. shifting gears a little bit. That's funny. So, on, I got to be honest, man. I, I like your dad's odds of getting into the Hall of Fame. Like, he was one of my favorite players growing up as a Yankees fan. And recently, we saw his numbers double from 13.6 around percent to now last year in, in his sixth year on the ballot to oh, just over 30. And you yeah, see yeah. you see guys like Larry Walker who haven't done that. He had, he, Larry Walker hadn't hit that mark until year eight on the ballot. So and then you right. see Larry Walker like triple and double his numbers and then obviously finally gets in in his tenth year. So I personally love your dad's chances. If you want to yeah. talk about that, I know you had a big campaign for him and you were writing about mm-hmm. it. So if you want to get into that, yeah. So I I feel like I'm not the only one in this chat. I am surprised that this happened. I I don't I don't feel like it's a bad thing to be surprised. I'm pleasantly surprised. I didn't expect this jump out of nowhere. To be honest with you, we had a lot of help. I was doing my own campaigns, but there's guys like Ryan Spade, who I'm sure you guys are familiar with in the in the whole stats of baseball on Twitter. Some of these guys were able to really just break down the numbers and give writers reasons and num- just numbers and analytical ideas and just how can you shape your votes and why should you shape your votes to encourage a vote for my dad, say. And I was surprised when they were talking about 
the the war, which a lot of the voters care a lot about. And they were saying that my dad was the worst defensive player who has ever played the game statistically cons- um, according to war. Now, his overall war was still surpassing Vladimir Guerrero in overall war. So that really goes to show what kind of offensive player he was. And then we just voted in a DH, which I was all for in Edgar Martinez. So mm-hmm. if you're able to vote in a DH, but you're not able to vote in a guy because he's not good defensively, well, yeah. it really tells the voters that, well, maybe Gary Sheffield should have just been a DH and he would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. So as soon as these numbers starting to materialize, Ryan Spader and other guys helped as well. They were able to really just transform the ballot. And I feel I'm very pleased of what's happening. And at this rate, he should make it. So hopefully better things are to come. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, like I said, I personally would love for him to get in. He's been one of our, my favorite players growing up. And Larry Walker just shows like, I mean, I think he was better than Larry Walker. So, I mean, him getting in. Right. And also, that was a good point you made about the DH thing. I didn't even think about that. But, I mean, honestly, with the way that Larry Walker's trend went, it's a, it's a big help for your dad because he literally, I'm not looking at it right now, but he actually, like, tripled his numbers in, like, last year compared to the year before. So, next year, yeah. next year, maybe we can see him get up to 60%, and then maybe the year after he gets in. That, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he just needs to get close up until year eight or nine. And once once the voters start to notice, they, okay, this guy's headed to his second to last ballot. This guy's, it's just going to be the same thing with Kurt Schilling. Kurt Schilling should get in by year 10. Once you start seeing guys that are getting close to that year 10 mark, their numbers should jump. And you really just have to get into that 60 and mid 60 range. Because as soon as you get to that point, voters usually know, okay, this is the time for me to expend that 10th vote and get this guy in. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And, and people like, you know, I'm looking at the list now, but, but Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, Kurt Schilling, they're all in that 60 to 70 percent range. And which yeah. I, I think that we've talked about this a little bit, but, you know, those are some big names with, um, I guess, a little bit of controversy in, in the, yeah. the back of it. And I know that a lot of people have their different opinions about it, but I guess kind of what are your opinions about, you know, letting these guys into the hall of fame and um you know accepting that they were fucking amazing baseball players and besides what about what went on with them in the past yeah so my opinion on it was that there was no clear stance against steroids in major league baseball for years to come there were pitchers taking steroids there were hitters taking steroids and it was more rampant throughout major league baseball whereas today when we saw a similar situation as um, maybe in a D Gordon situation where um, tests would come out and they'd say, okay, he's taking stuff. Well, the, the law had really been laid down in major league baseball. And for the guys who actually are juicing, say in today's time, you're, you have more of an advantage now than you ever did because if more people are using steroids, it's not going to be as much of an advantage. If, if everybody is, is not saying everybody was taking steroids, but if it's more rampant throughout the league, your advantages are not, nearly as um as prominent as they would be today so as someone like if someone like d gordon was taking something it could it could be completely drastic and career altering but you really do have to look at what a player's path was like and then what they now currently are producing while on steroids and barry bonds and there's plenty of other guys who were putting up hall of fame numbers and being a Hall of Fame player in general before any of this stuff transpired. So there's no ignoring the the history that these guys created. And I hope to see is if Barry Bonds or any of these steroid allegation um, type players get in, then the floodgates should open and 
I think the entire league will be recognized. Yeah, yeah. all it takes is one to get in, and then everybody else is going to. I mean, I think they'll get in simultaneously too. And I, they're they're very right. they're very very close. What what was the last year they got seventy percent? Uh, Kurt Schilling had seventy. Um, Clemens had yeah, sixty one, and Barry Bonds had sixty. Yeah, I wouldn't I, w- I wouldn't be shocked if they get in within the next couple no, of years. They they have to get in because you know I think that you brought up a good point with the D Gordon example because. It, it is different. It's different time. And during that era of baseball, a lot of people were using it and, you know, pitchers versus batters. And, you know, it, it kind of was an even playing field in a sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a great point. And um, yeah. And, and you can't ignore the fact that Barry Bonds is a seven time MVP and that doesn't just come out of nothing, you know? <laughs> yeah. It doesn't. It, steroids do not make you hit the baseball. It's, then and, and you guys have heard it before. It's not like I'm telling you guys something you haven't seen. Yeah, there are plenty of guys playing the game today who are, st- are taking steroids that we just don't know about, and none mm-hmm. of them are becoming seven-time MVPs. You just have to realize that how difficult of a feat was Barry Bonds accomplishing, and we haven't seen a player arguably like that ever. So that's just something to be taken note of. And a guy that you said you can sit there and say we've never seen a guy this good. We've never seen a guy this polished offensively. That guy should be a Hall of Famer. So I hope to see it someday. See? Yeah, and I think a, I think another thing that um, you know you've been seeing the all these players coming out with their um, all-time MLB lineup, and yeah. a lot of them have Barry Bonds in there, and I think that's a common right. trend. It's a common trend with actual ball players who have been in the league for a long time. They all have. They're all supporting you know these guys who are trying to get into the Hall of Fame, and they understand it and. If you're a baseball writer and you don't see that and appreciate that, then there's there's something wrong, and you're you're doing it for the wrong reasons, you know. Yeah, it's an odd amount of people who love Barry Bonds for to be a taint to the Hall of Fame, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you said it. I mean, speaking of the steroids, and every everybody like you said, everybody takes steroids, and like some people just don't end up being good anyway. Goes back to my point before about giving DJ a little bump in steroids because it doesn't teach you to hit the ball. Yeah. But if you can already hit the ball, then you're just gonna start <laughs> fucking raking. So sure I think I just changed your mind a little bit. Yeah. He would be <laughs> nuts, and he wouldn't even <laughs> smile. Obviously, his emotions would change a little bit with the roids, but he would get even more stone faced. It would just be nuts. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, the dude would be a complete monster because he, he's already got all the contact. He's he's the perfect person. He honestly is the perfect Yankee. He's he's ideal. Him. He's just. He reminds yes. me of Derek Jeter. He's just a little bit less of a more of a pizzazz leader type guy. I think yeah. Jeter probably had the the whole looks thing going, so he was e- easily able to embrace it. But DJ LeMahieu was a perfect Yankee. I was not excited about the signing whatsoever, and I could not be happier to be wrong. Yeah. He has just been perfect. <laughs> so I I don't I don't even I just sweep what I said under the rug and enjoy it now. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So I mean, speaking of current players, who's your biggest? I don't know, like, who do you think would be a big breakout this year? Like, there's a lot of players that have broken out in the past, obviously, like Glaber and Miggy right. and stuff like that. Like, who do you think see making a huge impact this year that we may not be thinking about? I think that Jordan Montgomery is going to be much more impactful than people believe. And that is because of the addition of, well, for one, health. And then for two, Garrett Cole's addition to the team is going to help him in a way to where people don't understand is that Garrett Cole and the reason that he didn't become the pitcher that he wanted to be or who he needed to be when he was in Pittsburgh is the slow curveball. Once he, once his 
power curveball became part of his his arsenal, he was really starting to miss bats. His four-seam fastball all of a sudden was starting to really he was really starting to get spin on the ball and dominate the games. Jordan Montgomery can do that same thing. He was a, he was a guy who threw hard inside and then hard on the corners and then he had a loopy curveball. I think Jordan Montgomery could be huge in the power breaking ball game if he can get maybe a hard slider and he can get some of those things like another like a, a really nice cutter that Garrett Cole is going to be able to help him accomplish. He could take huge strides and be much better than people are giving him credit for. Yeah, I mean, I've, Garrett Cole, obviously, you know that he's going to be paying dividends just on every fifth day when he picks up the ball, but that's a good point. Like yeah. you said, he he gives all these guys another mentor, a guy who's been there, a guy who can spin it and strike out 300-plus people last year. This, right. is, this is just a guy who has nasty stuff, and you already see it. Like My pick would honestly be maybe, like hopefully, Clark Schmidt, and you see that Clark Schmidt, was taken under the wing by Garrett Cole. So that goes hand yeah. in hand with what you were saying. And that's fucking awesome to see because it is with a guy as eye-opening as he's been this spring from what we've seen and all the hype around him, I actually, can truthfully, I didn't know much about him until that list came out with the rankings and he was above Debbie Garcia. And I was like, oh, yeah. who is this? And then he comes out and he shows out in the spring. So with that, having Garrett Cole as a mentor as well, that is just... This kid might be the real deal. I'm excited for him. Yeah, Clark Schmidt. Clark Schmidt in particular, he it gives me the chills just thinking about what Garrett Cole can do to this kid. Yeah. Because when we watched him in spring training, his breaking ball was absolutely as dominant as Garrett. It was literally like he was a Garrett Cole-style pitcher. He was like an ace with his breaking ball. And then what was getting hit? His fastball. So after the game, Garrett Cole brought him in and said, what can we do to get them off your fastball? What can we do to increase spin rate and if, if Clark Schmidt could figure out his fastball command and how to actually implement that pitch and dominate at the big league level, he can be a, an ace-type pitcher. And if you're talking about a guy who's coming in in year one or two at 21, 22 years old for the Yankees at this market, we're talking about giving ourselves the opportunity to re-sign an Aaron Judge because impactful young guys are able to be those type of players because of Garrett Cole is helping them become those guys. So the Yankees have a ton to be excited about. Clark Schmidt, yeah, Clark Schmidt is just his impact on the Yankees and how Garrett Cole is going to impact him. It could change the entire course of our franchise. Just have him being able to be a great player for this team saves us money. It does a ton of different things. What maybe potentially we want to go get a Lindor later on. A Clark Schmidt giving us an impact in the rotation allows us to save that money in the rotation. So the Yankees have a ton to be excited about. Yeah, funny yeah, you mentioned. Like a- Ahead, that's like dude. a really good point because I think that a lot of people, most people, I didn't even think about it until now, you know, they don't see that other side of the trade for Garrett Cole. They don't see right. that back end, um, that back and forth with the younger players. They don't see that type of mentorship, you know, and no one really takes that into account when you sign a player. And I think that's a really interesting point that I've never really thought about. Yeah, yeah. he should be huge. Yeah. Yeah, and especially because the Yankees currently, I mean, we went to spring training for just for one game, and we were actually initially pissed off because it was a split squad day that day, and we saw it, the news came out. I was like, oh, Garrett Cole's pitching this day. Awesome, sweet. We're going to see Garrett Cole for the first time pitching on the other field. So <laughs> we didn't see him that day, but what we did yeah. get excited about was that there was so the Yankees are so deep in terms of their prospects, their young guys, their starting pitchers specifically. Mm-hmm. And that is just so awesome because you get a mentor like Garrett Cole and his impact on not only just Clark Schmidt, but also <laughs> his impact on 
guys like Luis Gill, who throws gas but has no command, but obviously right. he's 20 years old. Is Louis Medina, I'm, any of these Another guys. Young guy. Loizaga, any of these guys. It's just so awesome that any all of these guys could end up showing out for a year, and then maybe we can use that and parlay it to ship it to Cleveland and get a little Lindor action because yeah, who wouldn't love that? So I know you. Yeah, spoke- there's no question Lindor's giving us breadcrumbs, right? He's been yeah. sitting there getting haircuts from Gio Urshela. We're not. He's not doing this stuff for no reason. He's he's not necessarily saying he wants to be a Yankee, but he is putting that energy out there, and we have to nibble, right? He's like the most marketable player in the game. There would be nothing better than Lindor and pinstripes and 12s open. Okay. So I'm all for it. <laughs> That's that, true. That would be awesome. That that video made me so happy for some reason. Oh. Seeing Lindor cut her shoulders hair. <laughs> it was so bad. funny. <laughs> hey, he can keep that mustache in, Yankee, in the Yankee pinstripes. You don't have to cut yeah. that thing. Yeah, yeah. Get the hair too. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Lindor, one, I know, I know you do think it could actually happen. I, know, I heard you on another podcast talk about it, but if if we were to actually first, let's see where your percentage is at because I know that you spoke about that a little while ago. So where, what percentage chance do you think we could see a uh, Francisco Lindor trade? Maybe when would it be? Well, it's it's very slim, and the only reason I say that is. Players usually in like where they want to go never materializes, especially in Major League Baseball. If you look at most of the expensive guys, the Robinson Canoes, they once you hit free agency, if Lindor ever does hit free agency, it's going to be very difficult to, while also being the team he wants to go to, to also be the highest bidder. We have to keep in mind that we were Garrett Cole's number one option and exactly where he wanted to go, and we also were the number one bidder. So both things have to happen. And most of the time when a superstar is signing to a team, they don't usually take discounts because the agents involved, their families involved. There's a ton of different moving. There's a different moving parts. If we're ever going to want him to be a part of this organization, because once we get Lindor, we would never let him go. And that's Mm -hmm. the thing to get excited about. But in terms of free agency, if he hits the market, he won't be a Yankee. So yeah, uh, yeah, obviously he's going to command an extremely large contract and Everybody knows the elephant in the room. We got a lot of people to pay. Judge being one of them. Glaber, all these guys. Gary. I mean, let's just say if a trade were to happen, I know it's slim. Let's play GM for a little bit. Who would you give up to get Lindor and Pinstripes? That's really tough because I was thinking that they're going to want a polished player that's big league ready now. And that guy to me is Clint Frazier. He has the most star power in our starting lineup. And to be honest with you, the Yankees – have they have a surplus at that position and it does it may free up some options for the Yankees and say just keep Aaron Hicks out there maybe you bring and Brett Gardner is going to play this year you have the opportunity to fill in those spots and play good baseball there while you because you don't want to get rid of key contributors you're not just getting rid of key contributors to add a key contributor but a Clint Frazier could be gigantic in another organization. He can be a three or four hitter and be a major guy in those different um, in those different teams. So Clint Frazier has probably got to be part of the trade. I'm sure that um, I'm sure that uh, what's his name over at third base um, that we're moving around the left field. Miggy, so, yeah, and Duhar. Yeah, and Duhar. I don't like I don't even like calling him Miggy because there's only one Miggy and that's in Detroit. But <laughs> was, that. but Miguel and Duhar, it's like. These are great players. They're, the package is going to have to be heavy. There's, we're not going to be the only bidder, but hopefully that does materialize. And we maybe not necessarily need it, just like a lot of people do say, but you don't make improvements to your roster because you need it. You make improvements mm-hmm. because you can. 
Yeah, it's, yeah, especially true. since the Dodgers just got Mookie Betts and David Price. I mean, the David Price I'll let slide because we dominate David Price, so they can have him. That yeah. made, that was addition by subtraction, or right the the, <laughs> the opposite of that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I got you. Especially since Mookie Betts just went over there, like that levels the playing field. So I think now the mm-hmm. ball is in our court. We need to make another move. I mean, it's not my pocket, so I don't give a shit. But if we're yeah, yeah. if we're trading guys like Clint Frazier, I agree. I mean. I, we're personally a big Clint Frazier pod. This is yeah. uh, that as well as uh, we're the leaders of the Tyler Wade fan club. <laughs> but we think he could break out. But I think Clint this year especially, maybe not so as much now because, I mean, he had a legitimate shot to be the starting outfielder for us wherever he may have been playing because of all the injuries. Yeah. He was the one that was definitely hurt by this coronavirus thing, obviously the world, but – in terms of his, in yeah. terms, in terms of his, like his opportunity, he's just probably punching air right now. Come on, I mean, it's like this guy was so primed, and everybody else was hurt. He was like, "I'm ready to go." He was yeah. just crushing the ball in the spring, and then they just took it away from him. So I felt really bad just to see that happen to him. So hopefully, the season gets rolling, and he does get that opportunity, whether it's with us or not. Yeah, and especially yeah, for the the trade value too, because if we had some good, if he showed out again, which I really think he would have, because he's an emotional player, and he would have channeled into something that just flip a switch or something and then we can mm-hmm. use that in a trade and his value is a little higher because obviously right now nobody thinks that he can field at all which i don't think he's that bad of a right. fielder i think that was just a bad he gets yeah. in his own head but mm-hmm. yeah yeah he's he's definitely the most mlb ready you know young guy in the team for sure he he would probably be the starting left fielder on a lot of teams right now batting three four you know yeah if we had to name one player to be a yankee it would probably be either Mike Trout or Francisco Lindor. So in order to get a player like that, you're going to have to give up really good players. It's it's going to be whoever ends up making the move for him. I'm, I'm assuming he'll be traded pretty soon. Maybe, maybe not in this offseason or anything like that, but over the next year, he probably will be traded. And mm-hmm. whoever makes the trade for him is going to be giving up major capital. And the team that has a lot of capital are the Yankees. So yeah. we're going to have to see what happens. And if we do want that player, we're going to have to make a trade. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I, I know you're, oh, we're cutting into your day here, but we run a little oh, long. So like, what's, what's the most, like, what are you most looking forward to for the Yankees this year? Obviously playing is one for me, but, and if that ever mm-hmm. happens, but what's something you're most excited to see this year? And Garrett Cole, just how he reacts to Yankee stadium. I fully expect him to dominate in Yankee Stadium like no one has in years. He's he's basically like we just added Pedro Martinez in the middle of his prime yeah. in the pinstripes, which is a great feeling. And when it comes down to it and we have a must-win game and we're heading into a situation where we have to win the game, Garrett Cole being on the mound is automatically the trump card. They have There's no other team that has an answer for that. Unless we're playing the Mets, nobody else even has an even matchup whatsoever. So it's a good feeling to know that the Yankees, we don't have to worry about how will Severino react or how will this guy react to the to the spotlight? We know exactly how Garrett Cole probably will react, and that's a good good feeling, especially in this market where there's a ton of pressure. You're hoping to put players in position, like a Lindor, like a Garrett Cole, where you know what they're going to do, and we just get to sit back and enjoy it. And then also Clark Smith, Schmidt, I expect him to make an impact this year, not just show up and get his feet wet. I expect him to actually get some starts and show us that devastating breaking ball, and I expect his fastball to improve early on in the minor leagues yeah for sure i mean all that's just i'm excited for anything honestly i just want something and i know 
whether it's with no fans. I don't give a shit if there's no fans at the stadiums for the whole year because that means that Me we, might, we might get earlier games. I don't really give a shit until – I mean, obviously, I love going to games and they just yeah. kindly open my wallet and take all my money for beer. But it's just <laughs> – I just want yeah. baseball so back so bad. and just rather, rather watch something than nothing at this point. I'm getting, you know – Quarantine day yeah. 11's not doing me too well. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. well, it's really bad for NBA fans because they were just about to head into the postseason. You're you're going yeah. into the playoffs. You got all your seating squared away. I mean, imagine if the Yankees had the number one seed. They're already their tickets already punched to the division series, and then they just say, "Hey, see you guys in four months." We'd be devastated. So there's so many different leagues that are just being ravaged by this horrid news. It's just. There. Just a whole, it's just a dim light across the sports community, and hopefully something happens fast. I hope sooner than later. But if there's fans or not, I I couldn't care less. I just want to see something. Even D backs baseball, I'm dying to see something. Yeah, I would literally, yeah. I would literally cut off my leg to watch Kansas the Royals versus the Orioles. That's just. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, I would be so excited. Maybe not the Orioles, but any other team. I'll do, I'll do it, man. I'll, I'll watch minor league baseball if I can. I, I know, isn't Japan playing right now? Yeah, yeah, you saw, I, you I saw Tyler Austin. Tyler Austin's out there. <laughs> is he? Yeah. Is Tyler Austin playing in the Japan League? Yeah, he hit a home run the other day. Oh, good for him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad he's doing well. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyway, man, we're going to let you run. It was a pleasure having you on. It's just talking about anything because we're all bored here, so we needed a little something to take our mind off it. And glad you oh, could yeah. help, help us out with that. Uh, definitely would love to have you on anytime when there's maybe actual baseball going on so we can talk about awesome. something that happens. Maybe you catch you on, on your streams and play a little MLB The Show. you got to take it easy on me because like, your team sounds like it's disgusting. But anyway, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, thank you guys. And uh, I'll send you guys a, a DM on the so you can send me an invite. We'll play. Oh, for sure. For sure, man. Killing.